The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. Hello and welcome everyone. This is the uh, newest edition of the uh, Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training. And I got another great interview here for you. Um, my guest today is Magic Barclay. She's online here all the way from Australia. Is that correct? Right? And Correct. correct. Yeah, she's here with us at 3 o'clock in the morning at her time. It's noon my time. It's 3 a.m. where she is here. So kudos to her for joining me at an ungodly hour. Um, but uh, she is a practitioner in holistic natural uh, medicine. And... Um, Going to learn a lot from her and get her uh, insights on how we can take care of ourselves in a holistic and natural sort of way, which I'm always an advocate of. Anything that we can do that completes us as humans and we can do on our own and empowers us, I'm all for that. So Magic Barclay, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thank you again for coming around at three o'clock in the morning. Oh, God. But <laughs> just sorry to sorry to listeners for my sleepy look. No, no, your, your sleepy look, I think, is forgivable for anyone at 3 a.m., so. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, all right, so let's just kick it off here. Let's start from the very beginning here. Let's start from the genesis of everything, okay? So I like to kind of just start from the beginning and then work our way through. So what brought, what brings us here today? What's the backdrop, Debbie? Well, look, I guess a, a childhood of trauma um learning about my body along the way and you know leading me up to 50 years old and having to change everything that I learned so particularly around my fitness let's start there not particularly a sporting or um organized activity child but certainly outside a lot riding bikes running you know playing through the creek like Fitness was always part of my life, probably not um, at the forefront. Then, you know, going into my teens and 20s, family happened and, and I wasn't a gym goer until I had to be. Um, I was super morbidly obese. I'm actually quite a short person, so I got very round post-kids. And so I really loved smashing it out at the gym, you know, three-hour sessions, heavy absolutely loved it, dropped half my body weight and, you know, leading up to the life that I'm in now, menopause, that all changes with, changes with your fitness. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the way that you train, the time of day that you train, you know, everything has to change. And I think many people don't really comprehend that the body has different needs around our health, around the way we treat our health and our body and our mind, and around our fitness. Right. So, yeah, I mean, especially because with this uh, with this uh, podcast, what I try to do is I try to target area of a population that hasn't been really spoken to a lot here. So the 50 and above area is actually where I'm actually going with everything. It's like trying to address them in particular. Anyone can listen, anyone can learn like to focus in on them and so you talk about um crossing over into 50 years old and 
being female, going through menopause and being postmenopausal, I mean, it just kind of it really uh, takes you in a different direction and kind of makes you change the game completely in terms of how you um, you live and you work out and you eat and everything, doesn't it? It does. And look, this doesn't leave out the guys. So menopause right. is actually adrenopause. It's it's the time when uh, your brain switches from the brain ovary axis to the brain adrenal axis. That's where you're making your hormones. Okay, mm -hmm. but this doesn't leave out the guys because adrenopause in men is andropause and that's something mm -hmm. we don't talk about. So, you know, when you have this change in life, when reproduction is not your body's ultimate goal but mm -hmm. survival into the later years is and health into the later years, you know, you really do have to adjust the way you train. I can't run on a treadmill anymore. That is not good for my body. Not that I like to, but even if I wanted to, I couldn't or I wouldn't right. because that signals to the adrenals that you're running from a threat. It's a stress in itself, running on a treadmill. It's stressful on the body. That's okay pre-adrenopause, so male and female. And, you know, this is something that isn't widely discussed. So what we no. need to be doing is we need to be focused on building muscle, building, you know, our heart health. And the way that we do that is through resistance training. So that's really, you know, post-adrenopause switch, that's really where we need to focus. But the time of day that we train needs to be changed as well. So getting up at 5 a.m. before work, doing a workout, not the best thing when you're 50 plus, but waiting till the afternoon, late afternoon, pretty much, you know, from 3 p.m. onwards, that is the sweet spot for training for your adrenals. So, you know, that's when our cortisol starts dipping down and it starts coming back up slightly. And so we get a more restful sleep when we train later because we're working with our adrenals. Right, so this is one thing we build more muscle, we have less injuries because our cortisol, which is so catabolic, is highest in the morning to get us up out of bed. Okay, so that's what starts our day, but that's also the time when we're going to get more injuries in our muscles, more tears. You know, the DOM sets in a lot harder if we train in the morning, so there's a lot around adrenopause and menopause and andropause that needs to change with our fitness right right so you think on the whole it'd be better if people will just work wait until later in the day to work out or is this just something that really becomes super important when you get to be later on in life super important when you get to be later on in life so when you're young it's the opposite you can work more with that cortisol cycle because you can bounce back easier. So when we hit 50 plus, we don't bounce back as easily. So those micro tears in the muscles can actually become issues, mainly because our estrogen and testosterone are, are changing. In fact, with estrogen, we're changing the type of estrogen we're using. So there's three types of estrogen. We're changing the type of estrogen that we're using. 
And, you know, women that are reporting the hot flashes, the low libido, the hair loss, things like that, often low in estrogen. And so what this means is they're actually going to repair slower. So skin tears are going to repair slower. You get the creepiness on the back of the hands a bit more. Um, you know, you get these jowls, the menopause jowls happening. Right. This is all low estrogen signs. So we need to work with that. We don't want to be um, pushing the high cortisol. That's when we're going to get the middle spread happening. So we really need to work with the hormones. And by working out later in the day, you know, 50 plus, that's better for our hormone cycles, so better for our bodies. Right. So it doesn't have the kind of the opposite effect that you would think working out later in the day would have, it doesn't like jazz you up and kind of throw your uh, your sleep cycles off. It kind of works the opposite way. It does, yeah, it does. So we're actually using up any leftover energy when we're older, whereas when we're young, we have that abundant energy. So, you know, that's when it, it's like lighting a fire, you know, throwing match into some gasoline when we're young. It keeps mm -hmm. us awake. But when we're older, it doesn't. And also because you're actually changing the type of exercise. So I mentioned resistance. Right. There's a type of resistance exercise you need to do 50 plus, and that is low impact. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing few reps, but you're doing them heavier. You're not doing your 15 to 20 reps per exercise because your body's going to go, why am I doing this? I've already lifted it. So you don't want to be putting stress on the body. You don't want to be saying, I'm running from a threat. So we do lower reps. We do heavier. That tends to not jazz us up. Gotcha, gotcha. So by telling your body um, that you given the sense that you're running from a threat, either whether you're on a treadmill or by doing uh, resistance training, this does more harm than good because it pushes the, the body to a point where it cannot really bounce back from. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. So you're raising your cortisol levels when you're signaling a threat. Okay. We're making our hormones from our adrenals. So the higher our cortisol gets, the less we're able to make those hormones. But when we're younger, we're not making the hormones from there. So the higher the cortisol gets, the more we detox it, we eliminate it from the body because the body goes, hang on, that, where's the threat? You're running on a treadmill. That That's not a bad thing. But when we're older, we're making the hormones from there. We don't want to be competing with the pathways, the chemical pathways that the adrenals have to function in. So, you know, you want to go a few reps, maybe up to five. You want to go heavy. You want to take your time between reps so you're not just smashing out a gym program anymore. Right. You have to just be really there, really present, really invested in what you're doing mm -hmm. and so you're not going to jump onto the treadmill you know if you really like the bike do the bike but you don't want to be doing it to the point where you know you're really knocking it out because that's a threat to your body right right and when you say like go heavy on the resistance you're talking in relative terms right so if i have a a new gym goer someone who hasn't worked out in ever or in many, many years, and I have them starting out on something that seems relatively light, if that's heavy to them, that's good enough. The body registers that as adequate resistance. Just to 
Is that, is that correct? Totally. Yeah. Okay. Totally. So like for me, I get on a leg press, I do the whole stack. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to put someone else on the whole stack on a leg press. You know, you're going to put them on maybe two or three plates to start with and see well, how they go. Everything is modified for whoever you're you're working with or if it's yourself, do not set the bar too heavy because we still want that progression. We still want that ability to achieve and go, wow, I, I did that and, look, next week I can do even better. But, you know, you don't want to go outside your toolbox if – someone next to you is doing the whole stack on a leg press, you're not Superman. <laughs> you know, don't try and do it. Right. So it really depends on, yeah, your skill and your comfort. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the road to ruin in exercise is easily just comparing yourself to the person right next to you. You know, I, I go to a gym a lot. I've been around gyms for many, many years. You know, there, there are guys in there that look like they can lift a car and barely break out of sweat. Um, <laughs> if I went by that standard, you know, I, I'd be a, a physical wreck right now. You know, it's, it's just, you know, that, that is, that is absolutely correct. You know, go by your own standards of progression here. Don't follow anyone else. Not, not everyone's on the same road. Totally. Look, I, I just have to tell you this really funny story real quick. Yeah, sure. So I've been going to the gym for many years. I used to own a gym. I used to be a PT <clears throat> mm-hmm. and I go to our local gym up here. So we live in an estate that has a private gym. Mm-hmm. And I go in there and I'm doing, like, when I do the pin loaded, as I said, I'll do the whole stack on many exercises. And I get these young, buff, fit dudes. You know, they've got, like, you can see definition of every muscle. And here's me, nearly, you know, nearly a grandma and uh, got the middle-aged <laughs> spread going on and got the jowls and everything. And... Uh, I will, you know, go and smash out the stack and they'll look at me and one <laughs> guy actually tried to copy me. It was absolutely hilarious. And uh-huh. I could see him first and only rep and I thought he was going to explode from the, the pressure he was putting on his body mm. as we were walking out. Like I haven't even broken a sweat because I'll do like, you know, five reps as my max. Mm-hmm. And... So I'm walking out and he's like dripping in sweat and aching. Like you could tell he'd, he'd burst a few things, you know. Yeah, and he goes, yeah. all right, you got to tell me, like, how did you do that? And I went, easy, I'm here five days a week. And, you know, the full stack is my warm-up because they haven't got anything heavier for me. So now I'm doing one-legged because I have to progress somewhere. <laughs> Right. And he's like, yeah, but how? And I said, because I have been doing this for over 10 years. Yeah. You know, you're like 22. You've been doing this for two years. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't do what grandma next to you is doing, and that's okay. And he was yeah. just, you know, so full of testosterone and just wanted to keep up with grandma next to him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, he no matter what age you are, you know, your body does acclimate to certain things here. So, so you've been doing that, whatever age you are, you've been doing something for 10 years consistently, your body will adapt it to it. And of course, look for more rooms for growth versus you being, like you said, 20 years old and done it for a year. You know, your body is not going to recognize that you go, whoa, 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 you are going way past your capacity here right now. I'm not ready for this. 
So, <laughs> you know, there's, there's the adapters, that, the adapt adaptations that are required to take the next step, you know. It's not implied that you're 20 years old and you're full of testosterone and energy and you can just do anything you want. No, you can try, but you, you, you will have a rude awakening. <laughs> Yeah, and he did. I haven't seen him there for quite a while, so you know. Every gym, every gym program. Yes, <laughs> every gym <laughs> program is you know tailored to the client. But when you're writing your own session, you've got to do that for yourself. Like that's just the nuts and bolts of it. Be realistic. Always be realistic. What you can and what you can't do. And then make the gains from there. All right. So I was looking through your profile and I saw something called, was it psycho neuroendoimmunology? Is that, is that correct? Did I say that right? Yeah, the PNEI. Right, you right, did. Right. You got it. Well done. <laughs> All right. Got it. So now I need you to tell me what it means and what it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's a particular pathway. So in functional medicine and mm -hmm. functional health, no system works alone. We know this, right? We're not mm -hmm. right. traditional medicine that says treat the symptom, you'll be better because, no, you're not. Right. You're just putting a Band-Aid on a solution. So we know that no system works alone. And there's four systems in particular that work hand in hand, and that brings us to the PNEI. So psycho is our thoughts. It's the way our brain, particularly the limbic part of the brain, which is the centre part of the brain, applies thoughts and feelings and emotions to things. It's particularly the way that works to the way that we work out, the way that we think about ourselves, past childhood trauma, past acute trauma, so adult trauma, pretty much anything. We always attach a thought and a feeling and an emotion to something. So it could be... You know, I've got my water bottle. Oh, how do I feel about it being empty? I could be absolutely devastated or I could be elated that I can now go and fill it up. We're always changing the way we think about things, but we apply that to everything. Now, that can create a, um, a trigger. So that's the psycho, the P, the thought, the limbic centre of the brain. The thought... The trigger from the, um, the psycho or the psycho-emotional uh, pathway then links to the neural pathway or the nervous pathway. So I'm looking at my water bottle. I'm actually happy it's empty because I can go and fill it up again. But I'm sending a nervous response already, right? And my nerves are now listening to my, my P. So the N is now listening and it's going, oh, yeah, okay, how do you feel about filling it up again? You know, you might have a bit of an ache in the hand or something. It's going to send a response. Probably not the best example that I'm using. Then it's going to send a message to the E, which is the endocrine system. Now, particularly later in life, our endocrine system has had a whole lot of changes. Now, our thyroid health might be changed. Certainly our hormones have changed. So, you know, the E is really responsive. And then that's going to trigger off a whole lot of chemicals, whether it's enzymes, whether it's a change in the way we methylate vitamins, minerals, whether it's something toxic that's going on in the body through the P, the N and the E. So the I comes in, the immune system, and that says, Whoa, 
there's some changes going on here. I need to stabilize this response. I need to make it easier on the body. And, you know, you haven't listened to the P, you haven't listened to the N, you haven't listened to the E, so now you're going to listen to the I. So what this might look like later in life is, you know, some autoimmune because the immune system's tried to come in and, you know, stabilize the situation, reach some homeostasis. So it might look like the sniffles. You know, it might look like some aches and pains. So post-gym workout, we've just got those aches. We're feeling a bit fluey. What's going on? Am I getting sick? No, you're not. It's just your immune system trying to regulate everything. So the PNEI is this really great pathway where these four systems link up and try to keep you safe. Probably a better example than my water bottle would be public speaking. Okay, we, we've all been in that situation. You've got to give a talk, whether it's at work, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's, you know, to a bunch of friends and you're just not feeling it 100%. So by not feeling it 100% is the P. Start getting some aches and pains, maybe tingles in your fingers. You might get a headache. That's the N. Then you start getting like all, you know, red and flushed and you're like, I don't know if I can do this talk, like, you know, that's your E. And then you go, oh, throat's a bit sore, day of presentation, day of talk, day of event or whatever. And you go, oh, throat's a bit sore, I've got the sniffles, it's not feeling 100%, that's your eye. So, you know, it's all centred around how are you feeling about what you're about to do? What are you telling yourself? And we can apply this to our fitness as well. You know, you can have a gym session booked and you might just doubt yourself a little bit. You might say, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can do this gym session. Like, you know, I'm just not feeling it today. And so in, you might just get this random sore foot. Oh, see, now I can't do it. I can't do it because I've hurt myself. Okay, you know. Or you might start getting jittery towards the session, closer to the session. Don't know if I want to do it. You know, it's the N. Then E. You're going to start feeling like a bit dizzy or a little bit nauseous or something's going to happen. And you're going to go, no, look, I've got this gym sesh booked. I've got to do it. And then day of, you wake up, you just got the sniffles. And see, now I can't do it. I can't do it because I said to myself I couldn't do it and now I'm sick. Right, right. So we have to be really careful what we say to ourselves, what we think about things to ourselves, you know, what we're saying as we're doing things because that psycho, that limbic centre of the brain reaction can trigger this pathway. Then we have to be super, super careful. I'm not saying we have to live with rose-coloured glasses and say everything's fantastic and we love everything because we don't. That's not the way the world works. But be aware that it can trigger off this pathway. And it does this particularly around trauma. Okay, so whether it's acute trauma like giving a presentation like gym session with a new trainer or, you know, gym session at a new gym or whatever it is, um, acute trauma but also historical trauma. So for me this played out with my childhood trauma that I had packaged away, thought I'd dealt with, done all the talk therapy, done everything, 
but then leading into multiple autoimmune diseases going, where did this come from? Well, it came from the fact that I had, you know, a couple of decades of trauma and those trapped emotions, trapped thoughts triggered a whole lot of stuff and it ended up as autoimmune. So we have to really be careful how we allow the systems of the body to work and you know this is one thing I love about going to the gym I smash out emotions at the gym so I'll do my program and then I will do a couple of reps of some random exercise and I put all of my emotion into that whether it's a medicine ball slam you know whether it's I put my boxing gloves on and just have at it for a couple of minutes I get that emotion out because I don't want to take anything home with me. Needs to be out, needs to be dealt with. And for me, using my body like that, I absolutely love just that physical act of get it out. So everyone's different, but you know. So you would recommend, like, uh, for you going to the gym, you have like some sort of release for all of this, um, all this pent up energy that just kind of neg- negatively uh, uh, impacts you. Definitely, but find something that works for you. Like we said, everything is tailored. I absolutely love the medicine ball slam. I love it because you can do that with a two kilo ball. You can do it with a 20 kilo ball. It's just a physical act of going, right, I'm done with this. Like, get it out of me. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, um, you know, your system, it's all integrated. One impacts the other. And so speaking of like, is there a way that if you feel like if all these systems are connected to each other and one impacts the other so well, so if you feel like you're having negative thoughts about something coming up, a public speech or a gym session or whatever else, or maybe some sort of uh, back trauma in your life, and you feel you recognize that and you feel this kind of coming on, is there a way that you can just jump in ahead of it and kind of nip it in the bud before it spirals into becoming like a, a, an immune response, you know? Yeah, definitely. Look, you have to address it. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that we can do. So we can use um, putting ourselves in future pacing. What will this look like if mm-hmm. that never happened? or if that didn't have an impact on my body. What does next year look like? What does the next five years look like? We can use things like essential oil therapy. Find a scent of a a really good quality oil that takes you back to a really happy time and reroute the olfactory nerve and change the way that thought pattern's going. We can go to the gym, like I said, and do something heavy or do something really active for a couple of minutes and just go, right, that's it. There it is, it's on the floor, it's squashed, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really important to find something that leads us to a more positive direction. But the first thing is acknowledging it, mm-hmm. you know, and this is where a lot of us go wrong. We have a bad thought about something, whether it's about ourselves, and we harbour that thought. Right? So I'm a little bit heavier than I should be. Um, I also have lymphedema, which you can see under my chin. I could each day say things like, oh, I'm still too fat, 
or you know look at my my chin like who would want to even look at me you know and I've had these thoughts but I don't let them be more than a glancing thought because then I say do you know what this body's given birth to two adults like they're adults now they're babies obviously when I gave birth but I've raised two adults this body has been of use I am strong I'm doing the whole stack at the gym it's not like I'm not fit it's not like I'm not doing something great for my body and well my lymphedema that's out of my control that's post-surgical lymphedema it's not who I am if people look at my chin and look at my body size and judge me for that, that's not my problem right. because I know I'm fit and strong. Right. Right? right. So I don't take that on board. I reframe how things are going. And I actually went out last night with a dear friend for her birthday and we were eating and, you know, I ate a stack of vegetables, a little bit of lasagna, being a little bit naughty, had a little bit of bread, and she said, like she knows me quite well, and she said, I don't normally see you eat these things. Aren't you worried about your weight? <laughs> and I went, no, I'm out. I'm having a good time. I'm creating great memories. I'm not going to let my weight govern my life right. because I know I'm going out hiking tomorrow afternoon. Mm, so right. I can, you know, I can compensate. I can balance the scales. Why would I be worried about my weight? And she's as skinny as a rake, right? <laughs> and much, much taller than me. And she goes, oh, I don't know, I just always feel a little bit worried about you when we're out because I can eat anything and people don't judge me, but I know people are looking at you. And I said, that's not my problem. It's really not. I know what my body's capable of. People are going to judge me from the outside. That is not my problem. That's their problem. Right. Yeah. So, so it's really about we don't take this negative stuff on board. Right. It's a, it's a pervasive issue within um, fitness and gym culture. It's like, because so much of it is built around looks. It's built around aesthetics. And yeah, you're right. People think they can sum up, they know all about you just because of what they see in front of them. And, you know, they haven't said a single word to you. They have not had a single conversation. They know nothing. But they think that they... They know your entire story just because of what you look like. And honestly, that's what holds a lot of people back. I've had clients that, you know, have been hesitant about uh, doing workouts, coming to the gym every day because just everything around them is so intimidating, especially if they're older, especially if they're female. They've had, there's so much around them that they find so intimidating. All these young, very fit looking people, all this very uh, intimidating equipment. And it just, you know, you can see the when you when they walk in because you can spot them right away. They have this look of absolute fear, like they're walking into a lion's den. They're so obviously, you know, they're stepping out of their comfort zone, which is a good thing. But you can tell they're terrified, you know, of being judged and of course being put through something that they know is going to um, is going to uh, cause them <laughs> stress. You know. Yep. Yeah. So absolutely. So a couple uh, of great tips there. Okay. A couple of great tips when you're older or you're newer to the gym. When you're working with a trainer, just say to them, I'm not comfortable. Right. Okay. They need to know. They're your support network. Okay. Right. Or if there's a gym instructor floating around on the floor, just let them know. You're having a, a bit of a moment. Okay. Yeah. If they're professionals, they're going to have your back. 
If they're not, you're going to want to go somewhere else, right? right? Don't face yourself to the mirrors. I never do. So, you know, I always face away from the mirrors. There's a window. So we've got the mirrors facing one way and then like on a um, 90 degree angle, there's a window. I face the window and I look at the plants outside and I lift, okay? And I've got a young guy that I train with and I'll say to him every now and then, hey, can you just watch my form? Can you spot me for a minute? Because I do lift heavy, so I tend to go with him and he spots me. And I'll say I'm not facing the mirror because I don't want to see it. Uh, It's not a positive thing for me. Looking out the window at nature, that's better for me. So you don't have to face the mirrors. You do not have to face the same direction everyone else is doing. Okay, because the young guys there, they want to be looking at themselves, right, (laughs) in general. I'm generalising. But maybe you don't. don't That's okay. You don't have to. You know, pick equipment that someone can show you through so that you're feeling comfortable, all right? So whether it's pin-loaded equipment, whether it's free weights, body weights, whatever, pick a space that works for you, a direction that you're facing that works for you, but also the equipment. Pick something that doesn't feel threatening. If you only know how to do two things, then do those two things to your max, okay, and then ask for someone to spot you. Ask for someone to instruct you. Grab a trainer. You know, this is a great time and just say to them, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed at the moment. I need you to help me out. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, there's no shame in asking for help. No, not at all. So... Uh, you do work actively with people, right? It's like you help them with the functional and integrative um, processes. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. That's correct. Okay. So let's go so, through a little scenario. Let's let's go through a little scenario here. Let's say that, um, let's say I'm a 50 year old man. Okay. So I'm and I come to you and I'm looking for you know help because I feel like you know. I, 50-year-old man, kids are grown, i looking to get in some better shape and get a better health because, you know, around this time of life, my parents were not in good shape and they actually were dead within a decade. And I don't want that to happen to me. So if I came to you with that uh, whole scenario, so what would be the process then? Okay, so the process is I get you to fill out my intake form. Now, I was okay. till recently saying that 17 pages, but I've started another five. So it's now 22 okay. pages. It's a thesis. And I'm going to get a whole lot of information from you about systems of the body, okay, particular systems that I know are going to be in play. And so you're going to fill that out. And then we're going to have about a week between you sending me that and me start talking to you. So we're going to book what's called a root cause analysis. You'll get the form, I'll go through it, I'll do the findings and then we're going to have either a phone call or a Zoom call depending on where you are in the world because we do work around the world and I'm going to give you those findings. This is all complimentary and I'm going to tell you what I think from the history that you've given me on the form, what I can see is going on, okay, and I'm going to give you some suggestions on what to do. And I might offer for you to work with me or with my team 
or I might just send you on your way with a whole lot of info. That's all complimentary. That's how you start working with me. Now if we decide to work together, I'm going to offer you one of three package sizes. So all the packages have the same stuff, which is everything that we do, uh, but they're going to be different sizes, and that's going to be tailored to what you need. So if it's something quite simple, you're going to be offered eight sessions. If it's something a little bit more complex, you're going to be offered 12 sessions. If it's something that really you really need to dig deep in, it's going to be 25 sessions. And the composition of those sessions is going to be different depending on what comes from your root cause analysis. So whether we're dealing with mold, whether we're just dealing with immune responses, whether it's heart health, it's all going to be different because there's no one size fits all. Now in that I'm going to make suggestions about your exercise as well. So I'm going to say, okay, maybe you know you need to get a trainer and you need to do short reps and you need to be a bit heavier. Maybe we need to focus on you know alignment exercises, so more functional exercises. Maybe you have to train from a chair. And so I'm going to suggest exercises for you to give to your trainer that are chair-based exercises. You know, maybe there's some other limitation. Maybe you can't use your left hand properly or something. So I'm really going to tailor those suggestions to what you're dealing with. And, yeah, it all starts with the complimentary or the free root cause analysis, which you find on our website. Okay. okay, so how long does the, I know it's individual, but how long do people normally work with the program here? Is, it, is, like, is there like an average time that people are with you or is it just vary so much? It Look, it varies. Uh, our packages are valid from six to eight months, depending on the size of the package. So mm -hmm. it just depends on the person. Like that, We don't do a one size fits all. Right, right. Okay. So uh, um, now you work in the, the functional and integrative medicine part of things here. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the medical community? Do you work alongside like medical practitioners and things like that? Do they, are they very accepting or are they kind of resistant or are they, you know, I mean, what's your relationship with them in general? We work alongside them. Okay. Uh, they only know what they know. Right. So, you know, everyone only knows what they know. Uh, I could easily put them down. I'm not going to um, because they don't have time, particularly your GP. They just don't have time. Mm. I actually saw my GP the other day for one thing that I can't do, which is write a script for a medication I need for my thyroid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I walked in and I have woke white coat syndrome, so when he takes my blood right. pressure in the clinic, once a year, because that's the only time I have to see him, uh, it shoots up. <laughs> and so I actually right. went in, you know, piece of paper in hand with the past week's blood pressure readings, which were all textbook. And then here it is, it's high when he's got the cuff on my arm. And I went, look, you only know what you know. I have white coat syndrome. Here's my blood pressure readings from the past week. We're sweet. We're good. Don't worry about it. He was freaking out about what he was seeing. Um, so, you know, they don't have time to study everything. They don't have time to specialise. They only know what they know. So, you know, 
like all of us, I actually put extra time into my study. I study every single week because I want to keep that knowledge base going. Uh, so, no, I'm not going to put them down. Um, we will work with your doctor as long as you understand as the client that this is about you. Do not let them tell you that the test I've asked for doesn't exist because I'm going to ask for it because it does. Uh, be your own health advocate. We can work with them, but you're the go-between. You have to say, look, I want you to work with these people because I want to get better and you haven't helped me in that area so far or you haven't had time to or, you know, whatever it is. Unfortunately, medical specialists um, or practitioners are not the problem. There's some big companies behind them that are the problem and those big companies don't particularly want you, you know, using resistance exercise or something quite simple like that to get better. They'd rather you pop a pill and cover the symptoms. I'm going to leave that one there because it could get me in a lot of trouble and I don't want to do that today at 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> no, that's okay. But, uh, look, medicine has its place, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, medicine does have its place, and I love modern medicine. I have nothing against it. Um, but it should not end there. You know, it should – the ownership on everything having to do with your health should be on you, okay? So your doctor, you see every 100%. Now and again, yeah, your doctor, you see every now and again – you might be one of thousands of patients that they have. So you can't expect their 100% undivided attention to be placed on you unless, you know, of course, a lot of us go to like big hospital practitioners, you know, the small town doctor really is a, is a disappearing animal. Um, we did have one that we were going Sadly, to for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We did have one that we were going to, but, you know, she closed down practice and moved to Canada and started another one there. So <laughs> I, that was a that was a thing for her. But, yeah, um, but the 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 onus should be on you. And I think that's probably the most difficult pill that people for the most difficult pill for people to swallow is like, you know, it really comes down to you and what you make of it. Do you find that to be the case? 100%. So just as, you know, when you go to a trainer, they're there to guide you, they're there to help you on your fitness pathway. When you see us, we're part of your support team. We're mm -hmm. not going to tell you absolutely everything and then go because we said so. We're going to teach you why we're saying something, why we're suggesting something, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and we will link it to the findings from your root cause analysis so that you are educated and why something's happening and how things need to change. But you're the one that has to implement that. You know, you are the one that has to take ownership of that. I'm not going to treat your symptoms. I'm going to help you treat your root cause. So right. it's your body. It's your life. It's your physical health. It's your mental health. You are the captain of your own ship. You know, the captain doesn't go in a big sailing boat and then just let the wheel spin by itself. He's there and he's holding it on and he's guiding it and he's fighting the winds and the tides and, you know, everything, the sails. He's not just sitting back watching the wheel spin. 
No, no, not so much. Have you uh, noticed, has this, um, the alternative um, health options, you know, has this grown in popularity that you've noticed though? It has, unfortunately, with uh, the craziness of the world. <laughs> I'm just right. going to say that. Um, you know, people are going, hang on, we've been told things for a number of years now. It's not what we were told. Things aren't quite shaping up to be the way people said it was. What's going on? So people are really looking more now at um, their self-ownership, their you know, self-direction, uh, self-governance. And that's a great thing because guess what? We used to be like that. You know, I'm, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s. If you told yeah. me something was um, purple and it was orange, I'd go, no, dude, it's orange. Can't you see that? <laughs> I never was the kind of perp person, can't even talk, that said, oh, yeah, because you told me it's purple, it's got to be purple. I can clearly see it's orange. I'm going to say so. I think more of us now are getting that way and we're going, okay, you can tell me something's terrifying. I'm not actually seeing it. We have to balance our own scales. Right, right. So I kind of want to take a step back and maybe you answered this already in another way, but there was something um, I wanted to ask you about. The, it was a complex manual drainage. Did I have that right? Complex manual decongestive therapy. Yeah, lymphatic drainage. Okay. As I said, I drainage. have lymphedema. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, so the lymph system is one of your body systems that carries waste around your body and finds an exit pathway for it. So we have over 700 lymph nodes in the body and a lot of them are unfortunately from the collarbone up. Unfortunately for me because that's, the bit that got mucked up on me. Um, so, yeah, we need to find ways to treat the lymph. Now, the lymph sits just under the skin, and so what CMLD is is a really gentle way to work with the lymph to move that waste, to clear the blockages. Uh, lymphatic drainage should not be a deep, hard massage because that's actually going to damage it it's going to blockage it but it needs to be really gentle and so it's just one of the methods that we use to clear the lymph gotcha. so how, how exactly do you do that and how do you clear that drainage then you follow a certain direction a certain um roadmap i guess of how the lymph drains and it's really just that quite feather light touch in a particular direction. So all over the body, um, something you need to be trained in how to do, yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. So now going back to the um, the alternative medicine options and everything having to do with immunology and disease and stuff like that, obviously we are coming out of a huge pandemic. You know, I don't think we're out of it completely it's still around i know that for a fact um but it has i think kind of decreased in its um in its um danger at least for the most part i think i feel pretty safe in saying that <laughs> um now 
COVID, like how, how was that for you and working with people and how did that impact your practice? And what are your thoughts on the uh, COVID-19 pandemic? I have to be careful what I say here. Yeah, it was blown completely out of proportion. A virus is a virus is a virus. Okay, they're not all bad and they're not all as dangerous as we're led to believe. Um, how our body responds to viral infection mm -hmm. is more what we need to be looking at. And we weren't the whole uh, emphasis that the media and the governments put on this uh, infection was incorrect. I'm going to grab some haters here, but I'm sorry, you need to listen to me properly. Okay. So how our body responds is what's important. That wasn't addressed during this whole pandemic. That was not the focus. It was a focus of fear porn. Uh, it was a focus of the media, you know, spreading the fear, increasing the fear. Yeah, there's something going on and, yeah, it's killing some people. But it's not killing as many people as they said it was. It's not as transmissible as they said it was. Um, it's how our bodies are reacting to it. And unfortunately, the response to this virus, and I don't like saying its name, um, was incorrect. It was less about giving the body what it needs to cope with something, and it was more about wow, we need to be scared of this thing, let's all hide away, let's damage our systems with wearing masks, let's damage our systems with, you know, being isolated. It was more about a negative response. Um, so unfortunately, I think it was mishandled around the world and we could have done a lot better. So face masks in particular, um, increase the bacteria and the waste that you're breathing back in. There were a lot of studies done this whole pandemic that were quite hushed up, unfortunately, about how dangerous wearing a mask can be. Um, you know, we were isolated in our homes. Well, that's not good for our mental health. We saw an increase, increase in suicides around the world. You know, we're now hiding our faces from children. Well, you know, from birth to seven in particular, kids need to see our faces a whole lot more because there's communication on our faces they're not seeing. They're not getting that backbone of communication. Um, so I think we've mishandled this whole situation, unfortunately, quite badly. Um, I come back to my statement, a virus is a virus is a virus. We need some viruses. Okay, same as we need some bacteria and we need some fungus because our body is actually made up of about 70% of those pathogens that live harmoniously in our body. Now, this is something new, something we'd never seen before. So some people were unfortunately getting really sick. Some people were unfortunately losing their lives because it was something that we didn't have antibodies to. Um, through the pandemic, a lot of people built up antibodies to it, so they're absolutely fine. And, you know, I think that's the focus that we need to take, more uh, integrative medicine rather than 
responding with the fear. Um, and you can apply that to anything. You know, you can apply that to mould. You can apply that to... Okay. Um, so in your opinion, I mean, I, I agree with you. The, uh, the fear inspired by the COVID-19 pandemic, that was pretty, um, pretty severe. And it was kind of hard not to be afraid just because, like you said, this was a brand new thing and um, we didn't really know how to respond to it. But um, so how do you think would have been best to actually respond to it? Yeah. Honestly, honestly, too, you didn't hear about the flu at all either over here in the States. And maybe that's because it just wasn't being recorded because everyone was thinking COVID-19, COVID-19, maybe not. But it, yeah, it was. Are you still there? I think we lost you. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments, cancel anytime. Every little bit helps, and I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. And you never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace.